Well, good morning, church. Good morning, everybody that's tuning in on the uh, internet and watching us on the live stream. It's good to uh, be back. Thank you for the cards and notes and the text messages and the, and the emails. Appreciate that. I'm um, uh, regaining my strength. I'm not all the way there yet. I'll probably sleep all Sunday afternoon, but that is not too much different than most Sunday afternoons, I guess. <laughs> Um, but appreciate to see y'all, appreciate our staff that uh, held the fort down for almost four weeks that I was not in the office and got a great staff and, and I can just uh, bug out and have surgery and we don't miss a beat and I, I just appreciate that, uh, uh, appreciate that uh, so much. Um, Pastor Nathan uh, started a series called Cancel. And I think I'm just going to continue on with that right up until uh, Easter Sunday, which is April the 4th. And um, we'll just kind of carry that maybe a little bit farther and was able to see each of Nathan's messages. And he did a great job and I'll carry it in some the same direction, but maybe take a a little bit uh, different tact at uh, some points. Uh, It's good to remind you that Nathan defined this canceling or what I'm going to refer to more as cancel culture today. He defined it in uh, in this way. Uh, Cancellation is applied when a person, that's really, really important because some people would say, well, uh, first of all, I'll, I'll be the first to say that in the history of Christianity, we've canceled people and uh, canceled people uh, when we shouldn't have. So we're not blameless in this. Cancel culture is not new. The name of it is new. But there's been cancellations, um, secular and Christian-wise, before. And so we're not, we're not lily uh, clean on all of this stuff. Some say, well, Christians boycott. I do believe there is a difference. I, don't, I think that's more than just somatics. When, when you boycott something, you, you deal with organizations almost always, and you boycott until some change is made, and we could talk about lots of examples of that. Um, a cancellation is just what Nathan says here, when a person, boycott is used an organization, their XYZ organization is doing something that that people or maybe the Christians feel like they shouldn't be as anti-Christians. And so there's a boycott on that to try to prompt that change. And when that um, is changed, we re-up with that organization or we go to, to um, that business again. I'm not huge on boycotts. I, I do. There is a website that I frequent quite often uh, that's a help for preachers, and it's a, probably one of the biggest sites that I go to with helps for preachers and sermon ideas and stuff like that. And, and, and they made some changes, and they made some statement of faith changes and did some things. And I, I, um, I told them that I wanted my subscription ceased until they... Uh, cease those changes and as of yet they haven't so we all participate in that to some degree but I think the major difference is boycotts are on organizations canceling and what we have seen in the last year or so and but it's gone farther back than that obviously 
This cancel culture is about when a person is stripped of their value, influence, and place in the world because of their perceived views, opinions, or behaviors by a particular group. And so we're going to talk about cancel culture today, and I'm going to start in in Lexington, Virginia. I don't know how many of you have been to Lexington, Virginia. It's the home of Washington and Lee University. I've been there. It's a gorgeous place. If you walk the campus of Washington and Lee, you just feel like this is what a college campus ought to look like. It's an old uh, campus with lots of older buildings, lots of mature trees, and it's just absolutely beautiful. But a petition by faculty wants the name of Washington and Lee, the Lee name of that, to be canceled because that Lee of Washington and Lee is Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Um, <clears throat> the Confederacy uh, was part of the Confederacy and part of the Civil War was obviously about slavery. We can't deny that part of that. They wanted to keep slavery, but there's a lot more to the Civil War than that. And... Um, but because of, of General Robert Lee's association with that, uh, they, uh, there's a petition that went to administrators that feel like we should no longer be Washington and Lee. In fact, there's some uh, faculty members said we should no longer be Washington as well because President George Washington was slaveholder, as were most people south of Maryland before 1865. Cancel culture. Um, statues of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Christopher Columbus have come down in a lot of different states. For some reason, Christopher Columbus is a, is a favorite target. Uh, his statues have come down um, in over 10 states. Um, in San Francisco, the Board of Education has determined that 44 schools' names will be changed. Some of the names will be changed. Will be that schools that were named after George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and President Ulysses Grant. It's cancel culture. Some of you may have heard of Rhodes Scholars. Rhodes Scholars is named after someone you probably haven't heard, Cecil Rhodes. Cecil Rhodes was from South Africa, wealthy man who admittedly participated in some apartheid activities in uh, South Africa. And now we have protests that are wanting Cecil Rhodes' um, name to be taken off Rhodes Scholars. Do we have that picture up there? <clears throat> um. You look back in Cecil Rhodes' history and you'll find some things that um, shouldn't have been. But you know what? You look back in my history and you'll find some things that shouldn't have been. You look back in Jeff Blackaby's history, you'll find some things that shouldn't have been. You look back in Dean Harshman's history, you'll find things that shouldn't have been. And I could name everyone in this church. The people on the protest there... Um, I'm not sure what all roads lead to the river means, unless. Um, but the Black Lives Matter sign, I wonder if the people holding the Black Lives 
matter science. No, in the 100 years of, of Rhodes Scholars and Rhodes Scholarship at Oxford University in England, one of the most prestigious universities that we have in the world, I wonder if the person holding the Black Lives Matter sign knows of the thousands of black folk that have been educated as Rhodes Scholars. And even in this past year, a dozen from Africa have been Rhodes Scholars. It's interesting that they want his name taken off of it, but they uh, don't want his money given back. I find that quite interesting. There's a John Wayne exhibit at the University of Southern California School of Film. And because of a statement that John Wayne made in the early 70s, which admittedly was not a good statement. I think if he had to do it over again, he would have uh, kept his mouth shut or reworded that in some way. You can Google that if you choose. You'll find that. Wasn't a good statement at all. But... Um, that one statement in the 70s, early 70s, is supposed to uh, wipe out all of the um, good that John Wayne did and all of the, the contributions that he made to film industry, which is the purpose of that exhibit anyway. Orange County, California has taken the name John Wayne off of the John Wayne Airport. <clears throat> it's called cancel culture, at least that's the name that we've given it. And I, I want to say today that I don't feel... Uh, the Bible gives us any room to participate in cancel culture, even though there's times in the past where we as Christians would have to be honest and say that uh, we probably have and we shouldn't have. Chris Pratt, I'm not uh, as cool as some of the rest of you in here. He's an actor. Christopher, who is Chris Pratt? He's in the Marvel movies? All right. Chris Pratt attends a church that is, uh, stands for biblical marriage. Well, because he attends the church that stands for biblical marriage, and because he's Chris Pratt, who's the name, he's been uh, roundly criticized and attempted to cancel him. And those people attempting to cancel him don't say that he attends a church that stands for biblical ma marriage. They word it this way. He's anti-LGBTQ whatever. Can I say this? Um, we are stand for biblical marriage, but that does not mean we're anti-LGBTQ. There's a big difference there, friends. There's a big difference there. One's a behavior, the other is a person. A big difference there. Big difference there. But but they want to cancel Chris uh, Chris Pratt. Um, Drew Brees. Quarterback of the Saints, I think he retired after this season, uh, came out and did a YouTube video. It was just a personal video. I don't even know why he did it. But he said that he does not support the people that are disrespecting the flag <clears throat> and not standing for the national anthem. He was roundly criticized by media, uh, teammates, so forth and so on, and he profusely apologized. Now, there's nothing wrong, and there's a lot right, with profusely apologizing if you feel like there's something to apologize for. I, I stood here several weeks ago and apologized for a statement I made in a previous message that I shouldn't have made. I, just should, I should have said that completely different. <clears throat> so there's great virtue in apologizing when apologizing is important. But uh, it just seems like 
many times the cancel culture because we want to be cool and we want to be with it and we want to be accepted by a lot of people we back down we apologize we whether we're an organization or whether we're a person cancel culture would go away if a lot of us have it a backbone if there's something to apologize for you apologize <clears throat> but if there's not anything to apologize for nothing wrong to lose a little business friends Nothing wrong to have a few people lose your church, leave your church if they're leaving it because of truth that you have spoken. <clears throat> Cancel culture. University of Pennsylvania back in July said they're taking down a statue of George Whitfield. Most of you don't know who George Whitfield is. <clears throat> There's a statue. It's not even in a prominent place in the campus. It's back in a courtyard by some dorms. George Whitfield is, uh, was a contemporary of John Wesley. <clears throat> Contributed great to what we understand to be the Great Awakening, a revival that happened in mid-1700s, late-1700s. Great preacher, great orator. People were amazed by his ability to speak. He was a field preacher and had the ability without amplification that his, something about his voice just made it um, so that he could speak to huge crowds, spoke on many continents, estimated that he preached 18,000 times to 10 million people. That's not the reason there's a statue there at the University of Pennsylvania. They don't care too much about all that stuff. But he did um, start a school that became a forerunner of what is now the University of Pennsylvania, so that's why the statue is there. But because he did not condemn and indeed participate in slavery, he's now being canceled, even for all the good that he's done in his life. Here's a statement from the University of Pennsylvania. The case for removing Whitfield is overwhelmingly strong. He was a well-known evangelical preacher in the mid-18th century who notably led a successful campaign to allow slavery in, in Georgia. This, is un, this last sentence is totally false. This is undeniably one of Whitfield's principal legacies. Totally false that that would be one of his principal legacies. Honoring him with a statue on our campus is inconsistent with our university's core values which guide us in becoming an ever more welcoming community that celebrates inclusion and diversity unless you disagree with us. George Whitfield did participate in slavery and in the slave trade. But he bought 5,000 acres and built a school on it, and that was the forerunner to the University of Pennsylvania. He did build an orphanage for slave children who had lost their mother and lost their father. He very roundly in his writings condemned the poor treatment of slaves. And you say that's good, but he didn't stop, didn't fight to stop slavery, and you, you would be right on that. He was a field preacher. People came and watched him preach, listened to him preach outdoors, and he insisted that there be mixed race crowds 
which in a time where there wasn't mixed race crowds, slaves would get their work done early so they could come hear him preach. He lobbied for slave owners to teach their slaves the doctrines of Christianity. At his funeral, he was eulogized by a former slave. Now, I'm not trying to whitewash the fact that he participated in slavery and did not, was not an abolitionist. I'm not whitewashing that. I'm just saying there's a whole lot more about his life than that. And I would dare say there's a whole lot more that George Whitfield did good for the culture of the United States of America than the people that are canceling him. You know, it's not who, who is canceled is the issue. It's who's doing the canceling. Sinners don't have the authority to cancel sinners just because they sin differently than they do. The only one that has authority to cancel sinners would be God himself, and he sent his son Jesus to cancel sin. Not to cancel sinners. Christian culture is far from a canceling culture. The, the, the Christian culture is one of restoration. It's one of redemption. It's one of new birth. It's one of forgiveness. It's one of new starts. It's one of new creations. That's the Christian culture. Jesus looked at the adulterous woman, or excuse me, looked at the people that were stoning her and said, uh, you know, if, go ahead and throw that first stone. Go ahead and counsel her if you've never done anything worth counseling. And they probably think they haven't done anything worse canceling. Or they probably in the biblical story realize that Jesus was right. And that's why in the biblical story it says they dropped their stones one by one, the oldest to the youngest. The people that participate in cancel culture, at least uh, what we understand it today, are... um, Social justice advocates. You hear a lot about social justice today, and that gets tied in a lot of times to biblical justice, but they're two different things. And it's fascinating to me, the people that are social justice advocates don't advocate for the least of these because most of those people would be pro-choice. Biblical justice is important. The Bible speaks of it many, many, many places. We are to be people that advocate for justice. Definition of biblical justice is to render impartially and proportionally to everyone his due according to the righteous standard of God's moral law, not the moral law of Mark Atherton, not the moral law of the cancel culture, not the moral law of 2021, which will be different than the moral law of 2022, and the moral law of 2021, it's, this, is what, this is what bothers me a lot. The, the, the moral law, of the, the, the secular moral law of 2021 is a whole lot different than the moral law of 1700s. 
And we're judging people of two and three hundred years ago on 2021 standards. I'm not whitewashing anything that they did that they shouldn't have done. I'm not whitewashing that. I'm not whitewashing that. I'm not whitewashing my grandfather who was walking to me up Wood Street in Maysville, Kentucky, walking to Ryan's Drugstore, and I passed a friend of mine that attended school with me at Woodley Elementary School, and he was a little black kid, and I spoke to him, and Papa said, don't speak to him. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not um, justifying that. I'm trying to understand that. And if you understand my great-grandfather, you would really understand that. That's why my grandfather spoke that way. I'm not justifying it at all. I'm just saying we live in different times. And it's very difficult to judge somebody by today's standards that lived two and three hundred years ago. Social justice is defined this way, or at least one of them anyways, I assume that you could define. It is to render impartial justice in terms of distribution of wealth, opportunity, and privileges within a society, not necessarily to God's moral law. The Bible speaks to a whole lot about justice, and probably the most famous verse is in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly? The Bible says to defend the defenseless. The Bible says to take care of orphans. The Bible says to take care of poor and the needy. A lot of justice issues in God's Word. But what does the Lord require of you, the prophet Micah said, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What we see of the cancel culture today, what we see of the tearing down of statues, what we see of the deplatforming of people, does that sound like loving mercy and walking humbly with your God? The biblical justice has to love mercy, restoration, redemption, new starts. And to walk humbly with your God, knowing that it's his moral law. And when anyone would need to be called out, we do that in the name of God, not in our name. It's what cancel culture is doing. Do you remember the story in, I don't know which gospel it's in, it may be in more than one, of the lepers? Biblical times, lepers had to stay secluded in a colony. They had a disease that was very contagious. And so in biblical times, even the Mosaic Law in the book of Leviticus, it, it tells that lepers have to stay quarantined. In those days, they, 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 they quarantined the diseased. They didn't quarantine the health. So they quarantined the lepers. And if someone came close to a leper, the lepers were required by the book of Leviticus to say, unclean, unclean, basically, be careful. I may give you leprosy. But it seems like today, modern day cancel culture, we don't have the diseased and the sinful saying unclean, unclean. We have modern day Pharisees saying unclean. Unclean. Hypocritical Pharisees who don't like the way somebody sins because it's different than the way they sin themselves. Can I tell you something? George Whitfield deserves to be canceled. But I do too. And you do too. 
We deserve to be canceled because of our sin. But Christian culture has made a way for forgiveness and restoration and redemption. And that's why Christians participate in biblical justice. It's according to God's moral law. Christians may call out things in society they feel are sinful and feel are wrong, but not calling people out to deplatform them, get them fired, so forth and so on. And I'll be the first to admit that sometimes we as Christians have participated in that. But our desire is to restore and to change for better and not to deplatform a person, not to de-influence a person, not to, to get a person fired, not to cancel that person. <laughs> George Whitfield deserves to be canceled, but George Whitfield is in heaven today. Because <laughs> he was a forgiven sinner. Not because he did all those good things that I said, because he was a forgiven sinner. Cancel culture. Psalm 32 is a favorite verse of mine. It's repeated in the book of Romans. Psalm 32 said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are canceled. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no decease. There's no deceit. Um, it's interesting that God didn't cancel, cancel, excuse me, King David. King David was a big time sinner. King David was an murderer. King David was an adulterer. You would think that that murder and that adultery that is spoke of in the Old Testament that after that, that King David would have been uh, canceled from the rest of the Bible. But he shows up time and time again in the New Testament. <laughs> um, how many times is Jesus called the son of David? The Bible says Jesus will sit on David's throne. Paul uses David as an example in the book of Romans chapter 4 to to explain justification by faith. David is, 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 is list, shows up in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of fame of faith, along with the other very flawed people. Why didn't God cancel a, a murderer? Why didn't God cancel an adulterer? Why didn't God inspire Luke to write in Acts that David was a man after God's own heart? Some of the last words in the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, Jesus himself says, I am the root and the descendant of David. Um, God didn't cancel David. David sought Forgiveness, and God provided a way of forgiveness for King David. That's what the Christian culture is all about. Jesus didn't cancel Peter when Peter denied him. The night before Jesus' death, in Jesus' arguably maybe his most biggest hour of need, 
Peter said, I don't know the man. Three times. But as you read the book of Acts, it's easy to read that Peter was the leader of the early church. The man that certainly seems like, from a human perspective, did something that deserved canceling. Jesus didn't cancel the prostitute when she knelt at Jesus' feet and used his garment to wipe her tears and everyone saying, well, this is a woman who is, look at the woman and Jesus is welcoming the woman and Jesus said, those who have sinned much love much. I found that out through my 25 years of ministry. That some of the people that are the most committed Christians and deeply in love with Jesus have been some of the greatest sinners that there is in their previous life. And they truly, truly understand the cross of Christ. I wonder sometimes, and God can save people whenever he chooses to, but I wonder sometimes people that were saved young, and because of that, praise God, they were, they were saved from a lot of the junk that some of us in this room would have to admit that we went through. Do they truly understand the depth of forgiveness? I do. I sin much. But he didn't cancel me. He restored me. He redeemed me. He gave me new life and a new start. Because that's what the Christian culture, that's what the Christian culture is all about. God didn't cancel Paul because Paul stood and approved the stoning of Stephen. And Paul had papers in his hands and hatred in his heart and he was on his road to Damascus to kill more Christians. God didn't cancel Paul, or at that time Saul. He knocked him off his horse on the Damascus road, gave him a new purpose in life, restored him, redeemed him. Prompted him to write, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That, that, that supervision of the stoning of Stephen has passed away in Paul's mind. All things have become new. That's the Christian culture. And it's totally antithetical to the cancel culture. Paul didn't cancel Peter in Galatians when Peter turned his back on the Gentiles. Peter was, er, was <clears throat> eating with Gentiles, but a bunch of Jews came from headquarters in Jerusalem, and, and he turned his back on the Gentiles and went to eat with the Jews because the Jews thought he shouldn't have been eating over here. That's kind of like a middle school cafeteria thing, you know. You turn your back on some people because this is a cool crowd over here. And, and is it Galatians 2, some, somewhere that, that, that Paul says, I confronted him, I opposed him to his face and told him he was not acting in accordance with the truth of Jesus. But Paul didn't cancel Peter because about 20 years later, as Bible scholars would estimate, Peter wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. We don't have a cancel culture 
We have a Christian culture and it's different. We believe in redemption. We believe in redemption. You know, one of the things that probably personally irritates me the most is is not people jumping on somebody for something they said yesterday. It's people jumping on somebody for something they said 20 years ago. Stand up right now if you'd like to be judged on what you said 20 and 25 years ago. And if anyone would stand now, I would say very graciously and loving to you that you're a fool. And people that... I saw just an example. I just thought of this and I didn't have it in my notes. I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I just saw a political person that was being condemned by another party, I saw in their condemnation of him, please believe me, this is true. They went back and interviewed his prom date in high school. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. The people that cancel because of past deeds believe that you have an unchanging nature and those past deeds are exhibited in who you are today but is there anything more antithetical to the christian gospel that that my nature is unchanging the christian gospel says my very core of my being can be changed and indeed i can be a new creation in christ it uh, cancel culture is if we participate in that we 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 show a lack of faith in God's power to totally take someone out of the mud and clean them off and brush them off like he did to you, Jim Phelps, right? It's Christian culture, friend. It's not cancel culture. Chance that we can be redeemed, restored, made new. That's the gospel that George Whitfield preached. That's the gospel that he preached. Is everything he did in his life worthy of 2021 standards? No. And I don't give him a pass. I mean, there are things in all of our lives that we shouldn't get passes for, but they're forgiven. So University of Pennsylvania, they'll take his statue down and they'll feel very high and mighty about doing that. They'll feel very good about doing this and they'll be proud of themselves because they've done such a great service. It's interesting to me that we have now people tearing down statues, um, but we had abolitionists that were ceasing slavery and we had civil rights advocates that were absolutely protesting against um, the lack of civil rights, and they changed that. So we had people that stopped slavery, people that stopped segregation, and then you have a bunch of people now that are tearing down statues. Doesn't seem like quite the same type of impact on society. So history books will be written, and this will continue, and there will be um, new editions come out, And the school teachers in here that teach history will see that from one edition to another edition, things are left out. 
and no longer mentioned anymore. And that will continue to happen. It just will. It's the way of the world. It's just the way of the world. That will continue to happen. But there's a book of life that George Whitfield's name will still be in. That King David's name will still be in. And that even Mark Atherton's name will be in. Because I adhere to Christian culture. I don't adhere to the cancel culture. In my opinion, it does not matter. Who cares about Mark's opinion? I'm just a preacher and I'll come and preach for a little while and then I'll go and you'll have somebody else here. As I look at God's word, I don't see it as a word that teaches cancel culture. It's a word that teaches forgiveness, restoration, new starts, new life, new creations, the born-again experience. And that's available to each of you. Some of you absolutely resound with what I say. And something in your spirit leaps at this message. But some of you haven't experienced it. And because of the death of Jesus that we celebrate every single Sunday by receiving the elements of communion. Because of the death of Jesus, I'm not canceled. My sin is canceled. I deserve to be canceled. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I deserve to be canceled. But Jesus is not in the business of canceling people. He's in the business of canceling sin. Any, any sin is so serious, it took the death of Jesus. And so there was a night long, long time ago that he held up a loaf of bread and said, this bread represents my body uh, that is broken for you. He said to take this and eat this. And the Bible says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Not the old covenant that was on stone. It's the new covenant that's in my blood. Uh, would you drink this in remembrance of me? Father, uh, help us be participants in Christian culture, which seems to be totally antithetical to cancel culture. Help us to understand that the worst sinner in the world is created in your image and has worth simply because of that. Because of that, we have no business canceling him. And we have no authority to do that at all. Our business is to speak truth. Our business is to bear witness to the truth. Help us to, um, and this is a mouthful for all of us, Father, and I would admit it is for me many times. Help us to love sinners. We get frustrated with them, and when we do that, we probably get a little pharisaical. 
But may we say something like, uh, there by the grace of God go I. So Father, um, help us to remember that, remember that Christian culture is, is about forgiveness. It's about new starts. Oh, it's certainly about truth. And you, you've told us that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. But even those people that are participating in wrong things, they're people created in your image. May we speak the truth in, with love and mercy. As we exercise justice, may we love mercy and walk humbly with you. Now, Father, because we're imperfect people, we're going to fall short of all of this. And we're not going to do it in a, the best way, in a perfect way. And there'll be people that can pick at us. But when they do pick at us, may we know that we're forgiven in your blood has canceled our sin, our infirmities, our shortcomings. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.